What's up, creeps? And welcome to a brand new, brand new episode of that little thing we like to do. It's called Brain Stew. Brain Stew! Really, dude? It's been a couple weeks and that's, that's, as, that's as hard as you could go? Stew! Yeah! That's what our audience wants to hear. Yeah, baby. We're here. We're back. It's been a few weeks. The last thing we did together as a team, I believe, was the Black Phone Review. And that was... A good couple of weeks ago, but we are here, we're ready to entertain you, and we're not alone. We have a special guest this week, and we're talking Stranger Things Season 4. It's literally the thing that every fucking person on the planet is talking about, so Jeremy, you were like, dude, we should totally be like everybody else and just talk about this thing, right? Yeah, we we definitely should, because I was enamored with it, (laughs) you were enamored with it, I couldn't get enough of it. When it was over, I was so sad because now we have two years to wait for the the final installment. How many? How many? Two, right? Two years, yeah. Right? Oh yeah, that's what I said. Okay, yeah. cool. That's cool. what they yeah, said. Two twenty twenty four, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I was, just, I, mean, I was thinking about it in my head. I'm like, wow, two years is how long we have to wait. But I mean, that's that's typical for movies, you know. So, and the way that Stranger Things has kind of been formatted has been essentially long form movies. That's why it's not just. Stranger Things every season. It's Stranger Things, Stranger Things 2, 3, and 4, 5. It's, you know, it's installments, pretty much long-form movies almost. And so. it takes longer than it would take to film a film because it's, think of how much, how many hours you're getting, you know what I mean? Like, this was a very long season. We're going to get into that. But before we go any further and get into Stranger Things itself, I want to welcome our guest, Derek from the Leftover Pizza Podcast, and it's them boys. What the fuck is up? Hey, baby? what the fuck is up to you? My guys, oh, thank you, thank you for that warm, warm uh, introduction. I love it. Uh, yeah, so I mean, just the floor is yours for our fans that are uninitiated with you and your fans. Let them know what the fuck you're all about. What, what the you guys do? Fuck, I'm all about. Yeah. So myself, hi, I'm Derek. Love long walks on the beach and uh, the Toxic <laughs> Avenger. No, it's just yeah. so it's me and it's my bud Grimy who's not here tonight cuz he's off living his best life. Um and one of our other friends Zach a few years back, I think yeah, I I think I know. 5 years ago we started a, a little website called It's Dem Boys and we do just a lot of like nostalgia stuff. We just love to talk about stuff from our childhood and just whatever we want to talk about. Horror Music, junk food, whatever it might be. So we started writing uh, a lot of articles and then, you know, posting pictures, making T-shirts, just doing whatever we wanted to do. Uh, recently, Grimy and I broke off and we decided to start our own podcast called The Leftover Pizza Podcast. And uh, more of the same as uh, what's over on the website, just talking about a lot of old nostalgic stuff. Justin, we just did a uh, Batman episode, which seems like it'd be right up your alley. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's... If you look behind me as we record, you already know. But you already know. And I, I already you don't know. You have to look behind me. You already it know. It didn't take but uh, three minutes on this video call for you to show me a Batman Begins stuffed action figure. Uh, stuffed plush. <laughs> so, like, I I get it. I, I get the vibes that you're putting out. But, uh, yeah, so that's basically what we're all about. Um, we also appreciate the fact that you, you called it a stuffed action figure instead of a stuffed doll, you know? They're not Dude. dolls, man. Thank They're not you. dolls. There's a big difference. Had he called it a doll, Thank you. I, I think we'd probably end the call right now and be like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think this is working out. This is not an episode I'm going to release. A stuffed plush, a plushie, anything but doll, man. It's Thank not you. a doll. Thank you. Yes, no problem. 
So yeah, I mean, just a lot of that stuff. Just love to talk about anything 80s, 90s, 2000s. Just all about shit that when we were growing up, we loved playing with or we always wanted because we never got it. You know, we were too young or whatever it might have been. So yeah, just a lot of that stuff. If you love old Nintendo, you love VHS tapes, Halloween's a big one for us. So if you want to listen to our Halloween content, it's pretty good. Talking about a lot of McNugget buddies, yada, yada, yada. I think I've talked about myself enough. You get the gist. No, that, that's that's awesome. So so what No, man. That, so yeah. what what year were you born so I can gauge when you say, you know, stuff that you were How into? Old we are. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm 93. So okay. I am... 28 going on 29. So. Okay, so so your your uh, nostalgic stuff is is a little bit newer than my nostalgic stuff. So 93, I was in I think third grade. Third grade. I was in third grade too. Yeah. 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 So, so that was I'm a little bit younger than you guys. So I, yeah. I definitely have more You're on uh, a podcast with two old motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, Br- Brady's Brady's young like you, so it's cool. <laughs> See, I was always the youngest in my family, though, so I was growing up with other people your age and being very influenced by them, all right? So, like, I started on an NES, on a Super Nintendo, all that stuff, so PS2 oh, yeah. might have been my console of choice, but I still grew up with all the old stuff and the classics and That's cool. all the old monster movies and whatever else, so I'm I'm in there with you. I'm I'm old with you in spirit, just there not you go. in actual age. Yeah. So, so <laughs> dude, I, I love talking with uh, fellow collectors and, and such, so... What's what's a grail item that that you've chased or that you're still chasing that that you either have obtained or that you want to obtain um, for being a collector? Something that you you super want or something that you were able to get? Something I super want or that I'm able to get? Well, it's it's really interesting because I I just go in waves of different things that I'm into because I'm uh, very very ADD. So it's like I hyper focus on one thing and then I drop it and then I'm on to the next thing. So I've always been into Simpsons. Super, super into Simpsons. Uh, horror, very into horror. So, like I said, I go on waves. I've got a ton, a ton of just, like, horror collectibles because uh, I have an uncle, and him and I are just, like, horror compadres. Like, he brought me up on it, so he started me on the Universal Monster stuff. Um, and for a long time, I guess the thing that I wanted very badly, and he helped me get it, were the uh, Movie Maniacs, the Todd McFarlane figures. Oh, those were so amazing. The run in the late out, 90s. Man. Oh, they're so amazing. It's like he got had my back like from a very young age. He used to That's work so at a toy awesome. store. So he was buying like doubles of things and just had it sitting in a tote bag, uh, or tote bucket down in the basement. So a few years back, I was like, I really want these, but I can't find them for a good price. And he was like, well, and just like handed me the collection of no maniacs. I was like, whoa. I was like, but what about yours? He's like, that's your set. I bought that when you were like a baby. I was like, oh shit. So that's so awesome, man. Stuff like that. Dude, that's so cool. I'm I'm actually looking at a couple movie maniacs right now. I got uh, the ones from the, the thing across from me right now. Oh and yeah, it, and in my closet, actually across from me, I got. Uh, I'm looking at Leatherface and, and Ghostface movie maniacs. That, that's Dude, such that a, was one of the best things. Such a cool line. for me at the time when I was young and working at Spencer Gifts. Back when Spencer Gifts actually carried awesome horror shit like action mm-hmm. figures. Dude, I, I just got in one of my totes uh, from my my mother in law's basement that had been sitting there for ten years. Dude, I have the original McFarlane New Nightmare Freddy Krueger when you you push the button on oh his back. Oh God. You hear the fucking theme and shit. Oh, um, but, that but, shit but working there yeah. was was so amazing because I'd be able to get like no one would buy like some of the figures, 
some of the lower level figures or the characters no one cared about, and I would just get them for like fucking $5 or $3. Or sometimes I'd honestly just take them right off the fucking rack, put them in my backpack, and be like, I ain't getting paid enough for this shit, so I'm just taking it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sending this video to Spencer uh, Dispenser Gifts. I'm like, here's the motherfucker you've been looking for. Yep. Take that $5.50 you were paying me back, motherfucker. Yep. But, Here, um, here's the guy you've been looking for. He left with all those uh, Hellraiser figures in his backpack. So, Justin, yeah. you saying uh, New Nightmare jogged my memory a little bit. And I think this is probably, right now, my, my biggest grail item. New Nightmare is my favorite. Uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, Friday the 13th. Jesus Christ. Are you going to end the call now? You should end the call now. <laughs> Look what you just did there. And it's funny because I'm wearing a Freddy shirt and, and you're talking to a guy that's literally on the upcoming Fred Heads documentary. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look that's what the you worst did mistake. there. We still... We still I'm holding you. a Jason figure, okay? That's why. I looked down and I said Friday the 13th. So so disregard that. We, we no, forgive so you. It's, it's my, co- totally cool. Okay, cool, cool. This is my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie by a long shot. I've got the Mondo uh, print over in my other room over there that they made for New Nightmare. It's and beautiful. the one I've always wanted to pair with it, and I missed it by a hair. Um, right now I have the original Child's Play Mondo print paired with it. I wanted the Child's Play 2 Mondo print because that is, that's like my number one horror movie. That's favorite sequel, favorite horror movie, no doubt. Dude, I'm, I'm the minority, and a lot of people give me shit for this, but I actually prefer Child's Play 2 to Child's Play. I do as well. I'm right there with you. I do too. I, I was going to say, it seems like uh, you think that you're not in the minority, but the more people I talk to in the horror community, whenever we get talking on Child's Play, that seems like that's the common consensus. Like, everybody loves two better than they love one, which yeah. one's great, but two's got that ruler scene, man. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's beautiful. Wonderful. Well, that's fantastic. And we're glad to have you hey, on this episode, Stranger Things Season 4. I mean, who better else to talk about a show driven by nostalgia than someone that literally lives it every single day? You're kind of like me, but just slightly different, you know? I'm just old as fuck. That's that's the only <laughs> difference that between the two of us. Because um, we, we love to bring nostalgia into the show, I mean, I think a lot of the reasons why me and Jeremy love to do this is based on our love of stuff from our childhood. Um, so you're very welcome on this episode. But thank you. Before I go into Stranger Things season four, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a few weeks, so I did a bunch of shit, and usually it's Jeremy. Telling I was about me to stories. say, usually it's it's me that <laughs> that goes on these adventures and meets these people, dude. You made me proud, bro. You you did oh. some really big things, man. I learned from the best. Well, thank you thank for you. that. Thank you for that. Thank you. I really did, though. So, um, thank you, Kennedy Center, for welcoming Epic Film Guys as press to the John Williams 90th birthday celebration a few weeks ago. Uh, I was absolutely honored to be a part of that. Um, but I wasn't just there to see the celebration, to see the presentation of John Williams' music being played live by an orchestra, and all the stars, I was there to try to meet everybody. And I was unfortunate in some cases and fortunate in others. So I spent the entire day, the first day there, um, literally sitting outside where Jeremy told me to stand and just seeing who I could possibly run into. And things didn't go so well in that regard, but the actual show was fantastic that evening. Well, before that, the thing about it is it it emphasis on it is sometimes happy little coincidences happen in these situations when you're out autographing and and trying to meet celebrities at events 
you ran into somebody that you weren't expecting to run into, didn't you? I did, actually. Uh, none, none other than John Boy from the Waltons. <laughs> uh, th- 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 that's exactly what I basically said to him when he, he walked by. And I didn't even realize, like, connect the dots, that he was there. He's on Broadway, if you will, the Broadway here, whatever, doing a play of To Kill a Mockingbird. And he literally walked by me and... I was like, yo, Richard Thomas, right? That's his name. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, dude, I grew up watching you every single night. And my mom's a huge fan. And I snapped a picture. And then a whole group of autographers who didn't even know who he was. Yep. Can I get a picture? Can I get an autograph? And he's like, sorry, I got to go to work. But it, it, was a, it was a great shot. So I felt like, OK, I waited outside. I mean, he's from, from the event. original It miniseries as well. The original It miniseries directed by Tommy Lee Wallace of Halloween 3 season of The Witch fame. Yes. Um, and so I got to meet him and that was actually fantastic. Got to see the show, was attempting to meet Spielberg that night. I got to see him on stage, give an amazing speech, did not get to meet him. The following day, I got to go to Jurassic Park in concert with live orchestra and I missed the Q&A with John Williams and I was super bummed about that, but I was able to meet Alan Silvestri. Yes, the composer of Back to the Future, Predator, who framed Roger Rabbit and Avengers. And he was super warm, super fantastic to me. That's not all, though. That Sunday, myself, my wife, and everyone's favorite sock smuggler, Loy Sauce, went to New York City to see a screening of Raiders of the Lost Ark with a Q&A with Lin-Manuel Miranda hosting with Steven Spielberg in person. And uh, it was absolutely religious for me to see that movie hear him speak but as i said earlier i learned from the best so i knew 30 minutes q a i'm gonna leave five minutes early i'm not gonna be that sweaty guy standing out in front of the fucking building next to a gate because that's not really gonna get me anywhere right and i go outside we see spielberg exit the door he gets into a blacked out suv and I was like, fuck, I think I'm just going to run around the other side of the building and try to get him over there. I start running and then I hear someone cheer, Stephen, oh my God. I ran back and luckily this young lady was nice enough to let me back in my spot and she, she was like, dude, you totally have like the coolest print in the world. I just have a phone, like I just want to see the guy and um, he looked at me directly in the face. He spoke to me and he signed my Paul Shipper Jaws print. And that's that's it right there. Arguably I mean, and definitively the greatest director of our of all time. Of, uh, for sure. Uh, for sure. Our generation. Uh, at least but of, of all our time. time. Of our yeah. time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just one of the best. And the fact that he was so warm and it was like 95 degrees, heavy humidity. And he came out in the New York streets. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he had just shot West Side Story on like adjacent streets from there like a year and a half ago. And he really cares about the community. So he came out and he fucking signed up and down. Did he take pictures with people, people or was it just autographs? He, he did not take any photos. No. Yeah. And he was wearing a mask. Like the first thing he did when he got into his blacked out SUV was to grab a hat, like a fucking basically like a Sam Neill fucking Alan Grant hat that's covering his whole head. And then he put a mask on because yeah. um, he's old as fuck, yeah. you know, and he, <laughs> he, he doesn't want to get. Hey, man, people are still getting sick and stuff. So he was he was just being cautious. So um, a photo wouldn't even have been like a, a thing that I would have been all that interested in considering the situation. But I mean, there was a lot of dick dickheads there there were a lot of people being assholes Dude, to everybody. New, New York autographers are 
known for being absolutely relentless, like would have no problem throwing a child out of the way. You know, they, they Dude, tried this to... little old lady. Yeah. Man, this little old lady, she was standing in front of me, like while we were just waiting after the Q and a, and she was like, Steven Spielberg's my favorite. Just don't let anyone hurt me. And she kept saying that to me like she knew me. But I'm like, of course, you know, no problem. And the guy next to her was being a huge prick to her. All he cared about was his autograph. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then when he came out and then all these people were jumping on top, she's like, please don't let anyone hurt me. So I was like <laughs> just putting my fucking arm out like this, you know, behind her. So no one if anyone was going to do anything, they were going to jump on me. And they were literally almost killing dude, me, dude. And I th- they have no dude, problem. Spielberg's- they have no problem putting their items on top of your items. Like they would rather. They don't give a fuck if you get one autograph. <laughs> dude, they want six autographs. They don't give a fuck about you're your lucky one. they didn't do that to me because I literally would have knocked a motherfucker right out, dude. And that's that right that's now. the thing, man. Is that sometimes sometimes these people do get fucking punched in the face at these things because they're they're outrageous. They're insane. I mean, dude. When uh, there's been so many times where I've gotten into it with. With these eBay dealers, man, because they're not fans. They don't give a fuck about the person that they're meeting. They just want to get the autographs. But I digress, dude. That's fucking huge, man. Like I was so happy for you, and just also immediate, so jealous. Like I, I would fucking love to meet Steven Silver, but dude, you put in three days of work into that shit, bro. You, you fucking deserved that. I, I felt, I felt really like, like I accomplished something special. I'll never forget the feeling as I jumped through the crowd and then I saw Lloyd's house who he, he also signed for him too and we just like jumped out of the crowd together and I literally grabbed him in the fucking air and threw him over my fucking head and squeezed him like I was about to give him a fucking pile driver I was like <laughs> no dude this, I couldn't believe it like I was like dude do you know what just happened do you know what just happened he missed Steven Spielberg and then I, I we went over to this restaurant which my wife was already waiting in line to get us a seat for obviously the event was huge packed thousands of people and um, I walked in and I just un- un- unraveled the poster and showed it to her and she fucking freaked. She didn't think I was going to get it. So yeah. it was like, um, that's huge, course, dude. three stiff drinks later, I sat there and said, let me just sit here in this booth for an hour, please. Yeah. And what she politely allowed me to do, I was like, just let me soak this shit in. And of course, I patiently awaited your your text because I was like, I just got to see what Jeremy's going to say. Because <laughs> I thought at first you weren't going to even believe that it happened. Oh, and then, not. of course, you know, if you. In those situations, man, you know, sometimes it takes fucking days, dude, days of trying, man, you know, and if you're persistent and you're after it and you're in the right place at the right time, man, uh, it, it can fucking happen as it did for you, man. So I'm, you, you got something that every autographer everywhere wants, which is Steven Spielberg, man. And it's on not just anything. And I'm glad that I walked out the door with the right thing. It's like a very rare Paul Shipper Jaws print. There's only 101 of them in existence. And I was able to get one from a private collector a few years ago. So, And he actually commented on it. He was like, that's a good one. That's a great one. Like He looked at wow. it, pointed at it, and, and looked at me when he said it. And I was like, okay, that's enough. I'm fine. So uh, I know long-winded story, but I know a lot of our fans and our listeners and our friends have seen the posts and stuff and have been asking me when I'm going to talk about it. So thank you, Jeremy, for reminding me to talk about it. So (laughs) the banter section is filled with me just gloating over my experience. And as you should, I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I feel bad for those people that 
won't ever have that experience, but I'm very grateful for it. And knowing this motherfucker, Jeremy, who's met, I mean, you just drank wine with Kurt Russell like fucking two months ago or some shit for an hour. Or so, you know. Yeah. No, I got something too. Dude, right? yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, bro. <laughs> Um, but we're going to take a quick promo break. And then when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be delving into Stranger Things season four. Obey your master! 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 We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? It's Joe and Sean from the Movie Dumpster Podcast. Of course, we wanted to tell you about our very first live in-person show at the historic Colonial Theater called Magic Mayhem, and Little Rubber Monsters. On Saturday, July 16th, join us for a double feature of Doom on glorious 35mm film, complete with vendors, guests, giveaways, and ghoulish goodies. First, we're kicking off the festivities with those toilet bowl-bound beasties known only as the Ghoulies. Then, in a terrifying tandem, we're playing that sacrifice record backwards and blowing open a tunnel to hell as we go through the game. And while we're traveling through the portal to hell, you can grab yourself some goods from our friends. Tapes from the Crypt, The Scaredy Cat, Mondo Della Morto, Tape Hell, Quilt Face Studios, Monster FX, Six Slice, Cinema Insomnia, Hack the Movies, Spiral Rewind, and more. There's also gonna be two monster-sized giveaways with items from Trick or Treat Studios, Lunch Meat VHS, Terrorvision Records, Media Crypt, Fright Zone, Epic Film Guys, Say You Love Satan, Alone in the Dark, Bad Taste Video, Psycho Street Bum, and more. So make sure you mark those calendars for Saturday, July 16th at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Grab your tickets now at thecolonialtheater.com. You can pray it's not too late, but they'll get you in the end. So prepare yourself for a night full of magic, mayhem, and of course, little rubber monsters. Welcome back, creeps! Here we are. The time is now. Master. We're going to talk Master. about motherfucking Eddie Munson, baby. Who is, without a doubt, the star... <sighs> And the the main attraction of this season of Stranger Things, man, he's he's the guy that I feel like he's very relatable. Like like all three of us probably knew somebody in high school that was just fucking cool like that. That like mm -hmm. maybe misunderstood by the masses, but like fucking cool. I had this dude uh, that I knew growing up with. Uh, his name was Robert. That you know, like from the outside, you'd be like, oh, like he's kind of like a kept to himself kind of guy or whatever else like that, and. He was the funniest motherfucker, coolest motherfucker on the planet. He's the one who got me into Slipknot. He's like, yo, I was freshman year of high school, and he was like, yo, have you have you heard of Slipknot? And I was like, what? What's that? And he showed me Slipknot, and like, dude, he was so obsessed with this band that he had every single release from every single country. Like, and this is every those old import CDs. Yeah, dude, it was like back before like eBay was like super prevalent. So like, he was like going on all these like message boards and like crazy places like. Securing the shit, and he's like, dude, it's all about Slipknot, man. And I was like, holy shit. So, like, watching this season, I was like, oh, dude, that reminds me of, of Robert, who's just a fucking, you know, maybe misunderstood guy from everybody else, but the coolest guy on the fucking planet. So, dude, we're in four seasons of Stranger Things, right? 
and, and to me, I, I haven't lost interest one bit throughout it. I've I've loved every single season. Uh, what I what I love about every single season is that they're all wildly different from each other. It doesn't take the same formula that that was successful in the first season and just replicate it. Like a lot of TV shows, they do that, right? Um, how I Met Your Mother, for instance. I know wildly, wildly different spectrum, but... Where, where are you dude, going with dude, this? Hear me out, hear me out. <laughs> so, when that show came out, I was like, oh my God, I'm not a big comedy guy. Like, it takes a lot for me to like comedies anyways. My wife often reminds me, she's like, you fucking hate to laugh. Like, you won't... Like, you're so funny, but you refuse to watch any comedies. Like, you hate to laugh. So, when How I Met Your Mother came out, I was like, dude, like... The chemistry between these characters and how they interact, it was it was something new. It was refreshing. I thought it was funny as fuck, right? Watched all of the first season. I was like, this is great. I watched all the second season. was like, yeah, it's kind of more of the same, but a lot of really funny shit was going on. Cool. By season three, it's like, dude, this is literally the same thing over and over and over again. With not only, like, kind of uh, the same scenery and story bits, but... They started, you know, regurgitating some of the jokes and things. I'm like, dude, they're just doing the same thing over and over again because it's familiar and it, it works. So they keep just doing it. And the Duffer Brothers did not do that with this. And I kind of have broken it down, at least in my mind. You know, like season one of Stranger Things is it's got some Amblin quality things with the kids that, that ride the bike in this all-American hometown. And... They're kind of geeky, like a lot of the characters in early Steven Spielberg movies with kids. And then you add in a little bit of X-Men. Hear me out. Like, dude, Eleven is pretty much Weapon X, I'm dude. With it, man. Eleven I'm is with it. Eleven is Weapon X. She's a lab experiment that escaped, and they're just trying to get her back because they know what she's capable of. And dude, it just and then you add in the Demogorgon, which is like, okay, now we got a fucking monster in the mix. So it's like Amblin meets X-Men with a monster on the loose, with this other dimension, man. Like, holy fuck, like, this is amazing, right? So then we go to season two. Season two was pretty much aliens, dude. Like, in one, epi- in one episode, it literally was a shot-for-shot remake of Aliens with the, when they were in the, the office building and they had the sonar shit and, like, the demo dogs were taking out the soldiers, it literally... Oh, I almost forgot about the demo dogs. Yeah, dude, it... They, they were adorable. <laughs> dude... That was like in that in that season, it was a shot for shot remake of Aliens, and like there was a lot of things like that that happened. Um, and then you know, season three was the stand. Um, Billy was Randall Flagg, one hundred percent. Like, I mean, they even emulated like how he wore the denim, the mullet, everything. He was Randall Flagg from the stand, dude. I still wish I could get away with that mullet right now, dude. Same. I, I want that so dirt stash, bad. the dirt stash with the mullet. That fucking sells it, bro. So then. We get to season four, and I know that people have been saying ding, this nonstop. Ding, 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 yep. Ding, 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 ding. It's dude. It's it is the Duffer dude, what Brothers was that? version. Friday, Friday the Thirteenth. That or? was Friday the Thirteenth. You got was it. That Friday the Thirteenth. Did I get it? <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot to do the key. key you win, key, mama, mama. You win. Part. You win. <laughs> this dude. This is this is a nightmare on Elm Street, man. I mean, not only is our our you know, lead female character named Nancy, which has always been an homage since season one to Nancy Thompson. But you have Vecna, which is literally Freddy Krueger. Dude, even the voice is very reminiscent of of Freddy Krueger. You know, he's attacking 
damaged teens in a dreamlike state, just like Freddy Krueger, you know, just like Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 where he's in, you know, in the asylum and he's going after the kids. And it's just this, to me, is the best season that we've ever seen of this show. Like, period, hands down. The scale was epic. I heard that every episode cost, like, fucking... Wasn't millions it tw- and millions. 22 million or something? It was I a think, lot. I th- it was I think, a lot yeah, of money. I, I think I, I read that it was, yeah, it was, in, it was like 20 plus million per episode. Like, because the scale was so huge. Uh, the story was huge. The story is still building. We're not even, you know, at the end of this story yet. And what I love about this is even though every season uh, is, is wildly different, it has one through line storyline, even with every season kind of having its its main bad guy. Dude, the end of this season was the culmination of everything. You see how it all tied together. And it's just fucking amazing, man. I just, I'm so blown away by it. I'm, (laughs) I kind of want to fast forward two years to get to the next season, but you know. All in good time. Patience is virtue, man. Uh, I think, and, 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 it, it's going to be worth the wait, I feel like, un- unless it's going to be one of those rare occasions where, oh, my God, the last season's the worst thing. I just at this point, the Duffer brothers have done nothing to, to, to do me wrong. Um, but I, I wanted to, to just go around the horn in general. And uh, Derek, just did you have any strong expectations or anything that you were hoping to see or not hoping to see with this season after season three? So, not anything that I was hoping to or not hoping to see. I just sort of go into each season of Stranger Things uh, very blind and, like, with a very low bar, mainly because it's not because I don't like the seasons that come before it, but I'm like, they haven't let me down so far. I'm not going to build this up in my head. I want to see what their plan is. Let's just go. Let's rip into it. And I have a theory as to why they've all been so good. Every single season. Jeremy, you just mentioned the dirty stash, right? The stand. That's it yeah. right there. Every season has a character with a great mustache. I figured this out today while I was sitting at work. The first season has their elementary school science teacher. Yep. Killer, killer mustache, right? Yep. That's number one. Season two, introduction to Billy, dirty stash. Not magnificent, not big, or what you expect in a really beautiful mustache, but iconic nonetheless. And it's about what Season I can grow. <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah, you're doing okay over there. You just gotta just commit to it, man. You gotta commit. Same thing with the mullet. You can do the mullet too. You just gotta commit. Season three, Hopper's stash. Are you kidding me? The Selick stash, beautiful. And then season four, I know you're thinking, who's got the big beautiful stash in season four? It's fucking Murray, dude. He started oh, yeah. with his big beard, then had to shave it all down because he was uh, trying to mimic Yuri. So that's that's my theory as to why every season's been great. Beautiful mustaches. All iconic. So I just want to see what's going to happen in season five. Like maybe a nice handlebar mustache. And, and you know what? To be clear here, this may be the year of the mustaches because Miles Top Teller 10. and his mustache from Top Gun Maverick as Rooster, mm-hmm. iconic too. So I mean... Yeah, I I, I I noticed this just going to the gym every fucking day, right? That a lot of these younger kids, like almost my daughter's age, they're just sporting stashes. And I'm like, this fucking rules, man. Back, stashes are back, baby. Jeremy, remember, like, if we, if we had tried to do that 
when we were in our earlier mid twenties or some shit, when we were playing in bands at shows, people would be like, "What are you, a pedophile or something?" Yeah, dude. Like, what are you? Mustaches were mustaches in my entire existence from a teenager on have never been cool. It's never been a thing where it's like, you know what? I'm gonna grow a fucking mustache now. They're cool as fuck to the point where I'm like, yo, I've never had just a straight up mustache. I'm looking at you right now in this video chat, and how amazing would it be if you shaved all that shit around on that beard and just kept that mustache? It's looking wild, man. That's like a fucking Kurt Russell mustache, dude. Summer of stash. Listen, I started that last year, summer of stash. I got actually two years ago. I got bored during quarantine, and I thought it would be funny because I didn't have to go out in public and see anybody just to grow a mustache for myself. And then I stuck with it. Two, what, three summers in now? No, two summers in. Summer stash. All right, you got to do it. You got to commit to it. There Especially now with Stranger Things, this is how you're going to connect to the show even more, okay? I, <laughs> I, I, I'm here for it, man. I'm like, I'm kind of contemplating, like, should I grow a mustache? Like, should I shave everything off and just rock the mustache? Or even if you do if it you- right now yeah. on the show, I'll pay you. <laughs> I'll pay you money if you do it right now. I'll give you five dollars. Five dollars. Uh, three. I'm not even going that high. Three bucks. Three bucks. That's that's a that's a fucking McChicken sandwich, bro. And a Yo, small I'll fry. throw in this little little Jason boy. Oh, no, that's that's a little Freddy. Little Freddy. That's a little Freddy. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. That is a little <laughs> Freddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever you're deciding to, to shave the thing off, just be like, no, dude, I'm just gonna go a week. I'll get rid of all the rest and just keep that. I've yeah. done that before. Yeah. I've had the yeah, the big yeah. beards and Maybe. shit. But no, that's a that's a that's a great way to put it. I I feel like. You gotta bring the mustaches back, man. I mean, I, I'm I'm sitting yeah. here in this room right now. My father-in-law's upstairs. He's actually visiting, and that motherfucker's had a mustache since 1978, and he's never shaved it. My wife has told me, and, and I've seen all of the pictures. Speaking of 1978, speaking of 1978, Justin, I was sort of kidding with the mustache, half kidding, half serious. My favorite thing—it's just a little tiny thing that happened in Stranger Things season four. Okay, Eddie Munson, best character. In a Michael Myers mask. <laughs> that was like the greatest thing, the greatest little thing that I saw in that season. I just, it melted my heart. It, it wasn't was, a Halloween 2 mask that he was wearing too, so not technically 78. I but. think so, yeah. I, well, dude, I, that's, well, that scene made me laugh like shit. Justin Mabry, who sculpted the mask, actually came out on social media and, and, and mentioned it. He's the one that co-owns Trick or Treat Studios. He's been doing yep. Michael Myers masks for a long time. I am a Myers mask collector myself. He had mentioned that it's not, exactly the same mask that they had used for season two when when we see max wearing it for halloween when all when all the whole crew's ghostbusters and then she shows up as michael myers but they painted it to look like the same mask so two different masks they look the same but people are forgetting that we got a michael myers mask already in this fucking show so it's it's kind of crazy it was a while ago but i'll never forget that going back that far not to go off on a tangent or anything but like that whole Halloween episode was one of my favorite things they ever did with the show because it was so nostalgic because there's literally nothing better than Halloween in the 80s or 90s. Like, you're never going to top that. We're never, ever going to get to that again. So, like, those yeah. of you that were born after that, sorry. You missed it. You, you missed, missed it, and it'll it'll never come back. And those of us that lived it, we try to relive it every year. We try to give it to you, but you just don't, don't want to come in the door. You don't come in trick-or-treat, and they're idiots for not coming in trick-or-treating. Sorry for the side rant, because Halloween has never been better than it is now, truly. Look at the props that people are putting out in their front yard. You have never seen decorated yards like you're seeing now. They're fucking incredible. 
trunk or treating. That's all they want to do. I mean, trunk or treat is cool, but like, no, actually, I think it sucks. <laughs> I, I I really don't. I don't like it. I, I, it's it's lame. When my when my <laughs> sister in law is like, oh, I'm taking my kids trunk or treating. I'm like, that defeats the entire purpose of Salwin. Yeah. Like, get the f- yes. No, all right. Tangent. The only thing I'll say for trunk or treating is I've seen like actual artists put some real work in. Like one guy last year I saw made the whole back of his car look like the Haunted Mansion down at Disney, and it blew my mind. So if everybody's putting that level of effort in, then I get it. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Regular trick-or-treating. Anyways. No, so I think I I, I, I agree with you on this, Derek. That I, I didn't walk into this with serious expectations. Like, I've never been let down by the Duffer Brothers. I've liked every single season of the show. I think season three for me was even like deeper because it all took place in a mall and malls are one of my favorite things ever. Uh, and Miss Wheeler was in a fucking swimsuit for many episodes and that was fucking oh, awesome. I almost forgot that. I'll never forget. <laughs> but I mean, they know what they're doing here and they're definitely mining the best of what we love in 80s nostalgia. I mean, they even said it themselves. When they originally pitched the show to Netflix so many years ago, they pitched it as the kids were Goonies and E.T. That's their storyline. And the adults are in Jaws and Close Encounters. And then the teens are in A Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween. And then they finally got to this, and they were like, we can't do that anymore. And all of a sudden, they're leaning so much further into horror. And I think that's why... So many of the people talking about this on social media are shocked by how bloody it is or how gory it is or how scary it is because they went further. But my point of view is that this has always been the case. It's always been horror. It's always been very strong science fiction with there's brutal shit in every season. I mean, it's scary in every season. And I think that when you look at the history of horror, they've implemented and injected all of our favorite shit into this one series. And it's like the best of the best. And honestly, I'm I'm just going to say it out loud. Fuck it. This shit destroys so many of the new horror movies we get in theaters. Not all of them. We get a lot of great new horror all the time. And we talk about them on this show. But this show has just had the advantage of time and freedom and a budget and being able to just express themselves (laughs) with all of these ideas with great writers, great directors, and they've been able to present this series as a whole to us. And they've given us some of the best horror that we've seen in the last 10 years. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think I I, I, agree I mean, with some that of the visuals, particularly in this, like, again, they went Nightmare on Elm Street here and I'm going to get shit for this. But some of the stuff in this season is better than some of the stuff in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Some of it is better. Again, that that's because of the advancement in technology. And you said the magic word, which was budget, right? Because. Even though the Nightmare vision, on Elm Street I should have said Vision too. I should have said Vision too. But Vision is another huge for sure. Part of that. For sure. I mean, dude, some of the you know the earlier and even later Nightmare on Elm Street stuff was all you know done on what was considered like very small budgets for what they were doing. Uh, but this, they have again twenty two million per episode, roughly, is something along those lines. And even, that, and that's and even, quite and a even hefty though, budget. I mean, granted, twenty two million in today's world would be considered a small budget if it was a movie and that was the budget to be small. Yeah. But if you're doing that per episode, 
That's actually pretty that's good. Pretty, that's pretty It means they can take yeah. advantage of the talent involved, and they still know how to make a low-budget type of project with a good budget, if that makes any sense. I don't yeah. know if I'm yeah. hitting the mark or not. And and, and I, I agree with you on, on the Nightmare on Elm Street comparison because, I mean, in these visions and these nightmares that, that Vecna is in with, with these characters, it literally looks like a nightmare. You've got tentacles that are slimy coming out of the wall, like snakes grabbing you. You know, things that they just couldn't do back in the fucking 80s. You know, oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. you know. Uh, so, for sure. And I think, um, you know, what, what you guys have been talking about, um, the other added benefit of Stranger Things over, let's say, Nightmare on Elm Street back in the day is that uh, there's just consistent vision. It's the Duffer Brothers, right? And it seems like it's a lot of the same producers being involved and a lot of the same cast and I assume writers. So it just seems like there's a very consistent vision and a consistent tone that they're following from season one straight on through. Not only because it, it's something that they, they've you know thought about, but uh, if you compare it to Nightmare on Elm Street with New Line back in the day, what were they doing? They were bringing in new directors basically for every movie. Right, so West came back for one and three, and then New Nightmare. But if you, what was that old um, Nightmare on Elm Street documentary? Was it uh, uh, Never Sleep Again? Uh, Never Sleep Again. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching that, and it was a bit of a, like a, a circus there for a while because it seemed like they would make a movie, it would do gangbusters, and then they didn't want to pay the same director again because they wanted too much money to continue. So they bring in another new director and exactly. another new director. So changing the hands like that is going to affect the story and the consistency and the quality over time as well. I mean, dude, that that's such a great point because if if you look at The Walking Dead, right? Um, right. When uh, uh, Frank uh, Darabont was the showrunner. Dude, I wanted to say Frank Marshall so bad for some Thank reason. Thank God you did. Like, I'd be, I'd be making, we'd be making fun of you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Frank, that's why I paused. I was like, Frank Darabont. There it is. It finally came to me. Um, so when, when he's the one that got The Walking Dead off the ground, like it had a very distinct voice. It had a very distinct vision. In seasons one and two, you were like, okay, like that's when everybody got invested, when it was like, okay, like this thing is different. This thing is great. Well, then, of course, AMC decided to be greedy, money-hungry cocksuckers, and they found a loophole to fire him because they knew that this was making so much money. They are like, if we can find grounds to fire him, we can take it over and make way more money and cut him out. So that's what they did, but when they cut Darabont out, he was the one that had the vision. It, right. You know, people, a lot of people still love the show, more power to you, but you, you can't deny that after season two, like, things took a turn... And it wasn't. If for I had the a better. soundboard right now in front of me, I'd be playing the puke button over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you're you're so right. The vision in this, because it's the same creative team and it's the same people that are, have been behind it the whole time, it's been consistent, which means the quality has been consistent. There's been no changing of hand. It's been the Duffer Brothers baby this entire time, uh, which is great. I'm I. It's been consistent, and I've consistently loved the fuck out of it. Yeah, and I, it just gives it room to grow, basically. You know, just raising their little baby from an infant up to teenagers and beyond. So, and I feel like it has a natural progression. I mean, we've we've kind of like watched these characters grow up in, in a weird way, which is also so extremely strange. I mean, I'll never forget when the show first debuted, and I'm sitting there watching Millie Bobby Brown as a young, very tiny girl in interviews, child, and now she's yeah. like you know model status almost, which is 
very strange. She's 18 now, and dude, I saw I like I was scrolling through Facebook, and all of a sudden I saw this chick being interviewed, and I was like, "Yo, who no is that?" Way. It made me stop. It made me stop. I I looked at that and I was like, "Yo, who is that?" Because she looked like a pop star, dude. And all of yeah. a sudden I was like, "Holy fuck, that's Millie Bobby Brown." I didn't even know it was her. I was like, "Yo, she's like all of a sudden." Dude, like, I hate to be a broken no record a on this shit, but. It means how we're old as fuck, dude. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, like, think, think of how much time we've spent, you know, engaged in this show, and I'll never forget this, dude. You probably don't remember, but the first time, it, you know, I wanted to meet Robert Englund, it was a big deal for me, and I went with you. Mm-hmm. You'd yep. already met him a few times. You know, you were the biggest, you still are the biggest Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street fan I've ever met my entire life, though you've definitely opened that gate for me and all the rest of our friends are within that realm with you but when i went to go meet him it was when stranger things had just fucking debuted and they had no oh. merchandise and i dude you you had a stranger thing shirt on shirt that i had made yeah because they didn't have merchandise and then when i got to the con after i met robert and i waited like what four and a half or some shit hours to meet him and it was amazing i'm wearing my stranger things shirt in the photo i found um a hat and it was by your buddy who does the custom stuff. What is it? Custom inked up, inked up merch. merch. Yeah. And he, I'd already bought this hat right here. Shout out to Dan Turr. Dan right there. You made this Halloween hat that I'm wearing here that you had one left of. And then I got, you were amazing to send this to me because you weren't making them anymore because you got in trouble. Long story. But he, he made a stranger well, thing. Once hat. again, once again, just so everybody, everybody collectively hears it. Inked up, inked up merch. merch. There They're you go. on Etsy. They have lots of awesome shit on. They're like demons, fucking winter hats and shit. I have my Fright Night winter cap I got from them. But I remember buying that hat like and wearing it and going places and people being like, oh, my God, where the fuck did you get that? And freaking out over this thing because they think about this. Netflix didn't know what they had in front of them. You know, and then now you can go into Hot Topic and they've got like a whole wall of this shit. Walmart, Walmart anywhere, anywhere you go, Target, whatever. But at the time, it was so different. Like, and I feel like it was us, the three of us right now talking. Like, it was our kind of like our small little group of people that we are, like loving nostalgia and those older movies that, like, really that we were the ones waiting for that. I mean, I could not wait when I first saw that poster for this show. I was so fucking excited. I literally looked at it like the biggest premiere of the biggest movie ever. Like when I heard like it's like Steven Spielberg Amblin mixed with fucking Stephen King shit and like super dark and spooky. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, we hadn't gotten we had had super eight before that, but we hadn't had that many people like young up and coming filmmakers really trying to take on the nostalgia stuff yet. So it was still fresh and new. Now, now we've, you know, already gone through that cycle of the best and the worst of that stuff. But that's the thing that makes this season special. It made it fresh. It made it feel new. And also it's exposing people, a younger audience to stuff like the nightmare on Elm street style. Um, Metallica, Metallica too. younger generations. I, I mean, yeah. That was one of the first things that I tweeted when I saw like, and, and motherfucker, don't even try to gatekeep. People are trying to gatekeep Metallica. I was like, they're, they're like one of the best-selling artists of all time. How are you going to gatekeep? It'd be like trying to gatekeep Michael Jackson, dude. Like, you, yeah. you can't do that. Like, you're going to hate on young people. You you already walk into Forever 21 or fucking H&M, and you can buy a Metallica or Slayer shirt there. My main thing here is that those kids that buy those shirts just because of how cool they look, maybe watch the show 
liked what they heard and said, I'm going to go listen to the fucking album. I'm going to go on iTunes or Spotify and download that shit. Or maybe I'll even buy the vinyl, you know, maybe expose them to this because, you know, at my core, at my heart, you know me, Jeremy, I'm a fucking metalhead for life, man. That's the, I live most of my life like this and I'll always be this way. And it warmed my heart. That scene also is definitely by far one of the best fucking things ever in this entire series. I mean, I jumped out of my fucking seat. In any series, dude. Dude, on top of a fucking trailer <laughs> with a fucking like fire red sky with lightning with demon dun, bats. Dun, dun, dun. Dude. And then Dustin watching from below, like just so stoked to see all this happen. Like, dude, every metalhead and horror fan ever was fucking cheesing so hard watching this. You can't watch that scene and hate on it. If you do, get fucked. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say get to you. Fucked. I mean, how can you hate like something that amazing, like being presented to you in a show so epically? Like, I never would have thought I would have heard. I mean. Again, I said this pre-show, but Master of Puppets was a gateway album for me when I was really fucking young. I mean, there were like a handful of gateway albums. Green Day Dookie was one of them. Metallica Master of Puppets was another. And that literally opened up this whole entire world of metal to me. And I was like fucking, I think, 11 or 12 years old when I bought that album. And just imagine what it must feel like. I mean, my daughter's 18. Jeremy, you've got much younger children, but imagine like them being a teenager and hearing that for the first time and being like, what is that? I don't hear that on the radio. I don't see TikTok stars talking about that. What the fuck is this? Yeah, dude. I think the thing that's like even more impressive, because you had mentioned um, all the the kids that are going to start getting into all this stuff for the first time. You know, maybe this is going to bring them to Nightmare on Elm Street. Maybe it's going to bring them to Aliens. Maybe it's going to bring them to Metallica for the first time. The thing that always blows my mind about this show, you were just talking about the first season, how you were so stoked for it. I was stoked for it, too. When it came on, I watched it by myself. I went to work, and then I went to my parents' house, and I walked into my parents' house, and they were watching season one by themselves unprompted when that came out. No way. These are... These are people, when I was growing up, they didn't, like, ban me from watching any of the stuff, like the 80s horror movies or whatever, but they did not like it. They did not support it. It was not their bag. They've never liked it. They've never watched it, washed their hands of it. So I just think it's really interesting that this show has gotten younger kids into it, but older people who might have just been so uh, against this stuff for such a long time... And now my mom's sitting in her recliner every night and she's basically watching Nightmare on Elm Street, maybe even a little bit more hardcore than some Nightmare on Elm Streets, watching these kids get their bones broken and like their eyes sucked out of their head. And she's enjoying the shit out of it, which is just like insane to me. So it's it's not just the younger generation. Uh, it, for me, it's the older generation, too. People who would never have touched this stuff ever. So I think that's a really crazy thing that Stranger Things has done as well. I, lo- I love when, when horror... Something horror breaks through into the mainstream. I hate to bring up The Walking Dead again because we all know how that ended up, you know? Yeah. But uh, that's that's another thing that... Dude, nobody gave a shit about zombie stuff. The mainstream public, general public, didn't give a shit about zombie stuff, right? Like, I remember going right. to see Land of the Dead, George Romero's last theatrical zombie movie. I saw that shit opening movie. night, dude. Same, dude. Tiny same, but theater. I... No just, one was there. 
no one was no there. One was and I was there. gonna say, like, no, dude, nobody, nobody cared about zombies like that. And that's why we didn't get zombies for a long time. And then all of a sudden, The Walking Dead came out and it broke through with something that was so unique and done so well that even people that didn't like horror were tuning in every week and they were like on the edge of their seats with this terrifying zombie apocalypse. And that's what's happening with Stranger Things. And what has been continuing to happen with Stranger Things is the general public is like, even people that are like, I don't really like horror movies, they like Stranger Things because it has that thing. It's got the it factor. It's kind of like when a new when a new artist, like let's just say like a Lady Gaga or, you know, something on that level that it's like it becomes more it's like, oh, you're not just an artist, like you're a phenomenon. Like people that may not like pop music, they like fucking Lady Gaga because she's got the it factor. There's something about her that's fascinating that draws you in that you go, okay, fuck, this person has it, or this show has it, and Stranger Things has it. It's got the it factor. You can't describe it. You just know it. It's a feeling, and, and, and I think it is. this is something that we have to talk about before we go any further, and I'm just going to, again, throw this shit out in front of everyone because I don't care, but Jamie Campbell Bauer as Vecna is an all-timer, and I consider this version of this character a horror icon short-lived in this season, but holy fuck the impact that was presented. It was immense. I mean, the aura of this character is felt throughout this entire season. The cuckoo clocks. And, And when you actually see the character and he's in his best, you're terrified that full makeup which is absolutely gorgeous, which so many people were trying to doubt that it was makeup on the internet. I'm like, dude, look, look at the videos. They had to release videos to go, no, dude, it ain't CG. The guy sat in fucking makeup for six or seven hours to get this thing on. And it's probably the most impressive villain makeup I've seen. I I can't even name the last time. Seriously, full body makeup. Yeah, years. And um, the performance. (laughs) And... And and Bauer said that he listened to like black metal constantly to, to to prepare for the role to be in that character, which is so fucking badass to me. But it, it, it is. I mean, like it, we've as Nightmare fans have been saying this, and I know Jeremy is part of this core group that we are part of, the Fred Heads. I know our friend Deandra and so many other people are shouting out loud on Twitter and social media. Give us another. Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Big time. Particularly after seeing this, because we can see what can be done if the right person handles it. And I I, I think that the Duffer Brothers are perfect. That was my tweet, and I was like, yo, pay attention to this shit. Go make that. But they're going to do some Stephen King shit instead, which is cool. I mean, everyone's doing that, but I'm like, dude, if think about this logically. Not to go back to Nightmare, but seriously, though, because it's so influenced by it. If they got their hands on that franchise, how amazing it could be. They, they we, would we, already, justice, we already have man. Robert Englund in the series. And I, I got to say this, man. Uh, this is by far his best physical acting performance since New Nightmare. He was brilliant. He's very, very small part, but he's fucking brilliant in this show, dude. I almost teared up because I was so happy. I was like, oh, my God, dude. He gave like a fucking almost Oscar worthy performance in five fucking minutes. Do you know why I almost teared up? Because I was like, oh, cool. 
now he's going to increase his autograph fee <laughs> even more. <laughs> every every dude, Derek. Every year he raises his autograph price, and now the fact that on his banner that will be on the wall behind Stranger him, he gets things. he gets he gets to put Stranger Things on it. Like it's kind of like when like Michael Bean, right, from Terminator. Like he yeah. was he was pretty steady. He was like, yeah, like I charge sixty bucks an autograph. Then he got to do Star Wars. He got to do The Mandalorian. Next thing you know, the motherfucker started charging a hundred dollars like overnight, dude. But Jeremy, Same thing with you, Carl Weathers, dude. You've met you've met Robert like a billion gazillion times. Oh, I don't I don't I don't need him on anything else. Like I, I have more Robert Englund autographs. At this point, you should be like fucking, you should be on the the relationship level of like texting him like, Hey, what's going on? What you, are you doing? You would tonight? think. You would think, man, but uh no, he 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 doesn't know me. He doesn't want to know me, Justin. It's fucking bullshit. But, uh, <laughs> fucking, yeah, dude, like, I just, I feel bad for the new autographers that, you know, every convention is, is somebody's first time going to a convention. Well, I mean, when you I, when I, I mean? even and, the story that I told, I, I, I got, it was, I think, 75 or something, and I got my picture and autograph for $75. I'm pretty sure. It was under 100 or around that. Yeah. To, to put things in perspective, the first time I met Robert England, he charged $25, and you got a free photo with him. Now... He's charging $130 an autograph and $150 for a photo with him. Like, just to, but to show you, you know, how, how things change over time. This isn't a Nightmare episode, but I feel like we have to bring this up because I don't think we've ever actually talked about this on Brain Stew, that you bought his last ever Freddy makeup that he did up until he did the Goldbergs. I did. That you owned it. I sold it. You I sold, sold it, it, but yeah, you I, did own it for a while when he I did, did that I convention flashback years. weekend, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, so he did one appearance, uh, at Flashback Weekend in full prosthetic Freddy makeup. They, like, uh, he did not wear the sweater, he did not wear the pants, claim, he though, did not wear the fedora. They said that it was gonna be, like, the last time he'd wear the makeup, though, wasn't it? Like, that, the, the catch? He, so, the last time in the United States, and then he went overseas, um, in, to the UK, and he did a, an appearance there to give the UK people a chance to get a picture with him in the makeup. Um, so I, I purchased, uh... Uh, prosthetics directly from Robert Kurtzman. Um, and I owned that for a little while, and then, you know, sometimes things start looking like money. <laughs> you know, like especially as a, as a, as, as a collector, I you know. I'm not... Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, I know some collectors that they, they're trapper keepers. The moment they get something, they're never letting it go. That's theirs forever, right? And I wish I could be that person, but because... I'm a serious collector, so, like, I'm always on the hunt for, like, bigger and better uh, things to add to my collection. Like, that shit starts to add up. I'm not a fucking rich guy. So, like, after a while, being a serious collector, some things start to look like money to you. And I'm like, I start, you know, start looking at something in my man cave, and I'm like, yo, that's looking a lot more like money than a prosthetic Freddy Krueger thing right there. You're lucky that you got rid of that shit before I came over to your place for the first time, because when... I was hammered as fuck. I probably would have opened up the glass case and put that shit on my face and glued that yeah. shit on. And been like, Yo, you're like, I'm running the face. I'm the face. <laughs> All right. Before we get back to Stranger Things talk, can I just give you my personal favorite autograph? Uh, yes. We need, we need to. You, you're life. on this show. It. You absolutely have to. Yes. I mean, I've got a lot. And some of my favorite ones from like when I was in college, they weren't even autographs. Like I went around 
I got like Ernie Hudson. I got yes. John Heater, Napoleon Dynamite to just do radio promos for me. Oh, that's I was cool. on my college radio station. And they were like, well, I charged. And I was like, I'm a college kid. I'm broke. And they were like, I got you. So I've got like radio promos from these guys. But my favorite autograph moment I've ever had in my life, this uncle that I mentioned earlier, in my hometown, there used to be, sadly it closed down, this Halloween store called the Halloween Outlet. It was the like Halloween headquarters. This was before, you know, you had Spirit Halloween and all this shit. They had everything, all the props, all the masks, anything that you could ever want. They moved from a smaller location to a bigger location. My uncle goes, I'm taking you with me. We're going to the grand opening. They're having autographs. And I go, okay. I'm like six or seven. I could give a fuck. I don't know who these people are. I'm afraid of everything at this point. <laughs> so he brings me and there's a, a guy with a, a goatee and white hair sitting behind a table. Gunnar Hansen is sitting there. Hell no, yeah. It's, and so my uncle goes, that's Gunnar Hansen. That's Leatherface. And I'm going, I have no idea who the fuck this is. But I'm surrounded by just all of these really scary, realistic props. So I'm, like, scared shitless at this point. <laughs> so we're waiting in line. My uncle gets me up to there. And I'm, like, hugging his leg. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to be doing this right now. And he goes, introduces himself, and he says, this is my nephew. I'm going to get an autograph from my nephew. So he pulls out the 8 by 10 or whatever. He signs it. And uh, I think he wrote on it. I still have it. To Derek, you're next or something like that, right? Yes. He goes, hey. And he steps from around the table, and he points at me. And he goes, come here. And he motions to me. So I kind of look at him I'm like oh I don't trust this guy my uncle goes go 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 talk to him and so I have to walk over to Gunnar Hansen and he pulls me really really close and I shit you not he sniffs my head he sniffs my hair and then he kind of moves me away and he goes you smell just like chicken and I was like oh my god <laughs> I just about shit my pants and then of course later on in life I learned who he was but I love that story so dude, that's, that's a, my uh, favorite that's autograph amazing. story I dude have. that's that's amazing God. especially at that age I only got holy to, fuck yeah right dude, so I, it left a big impression on me I only got to meet Gunner one time like one time and I was so stoked um, he was he was more quiet and reserved I didn't get the chicken story man like that's a fucking good one dude. I I know, because that's what I've heard. You know, everybody, you know, saying that he was kind of a quiet guy and was, reserved yeah. and very pleasant and everything. But I think he just knew that I was not there for it. And that was just a way that he could pass the time, and, like have something to talk about for the next couple of days when he was signing autographs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he probably remembered that one for a while, too, because, I mean, yeah. how could you not? It was You tell a kid that he smells like chicken and then all of a sudden the kid wants to run out of the store. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, switching gears. So, yes. Every every season of Stranger Things, we're introduced to a character that we love. Barb was in the first season, right? Season 2, we had Sean Astin's character. Okay. Season 3, we had uh the Russian dude with uh with the Slurpee, whatever his name was. I can't even remember what his name was, but people loved him. You know what I mean? the I know what you're saying. I yeah. can never remember his uh, name. Do you know what I'm saying, Justin? I'm uh, with you, the man. Dude with the, I'm with you. With the Slurpee. I think he called uh, Hopper Fat Rambo or some shit like that. Fucking hilarious. But, uh, so, like, all of these three characters beloved in the season that they're in, 
And then they get fucking knocked off, and it hits us right in the feels, and we're like, God damn it, I liked that fucking character, man, and now they're gone. So, and even even Billy had a redeemable um, story arc in season three, right? To where it was like, you know, he was the yep. piece of shit, and he was the villain for most of it, but then he had that turning point and a redeemable moment where you're, you're like, you know what? I feel like I kind of loved that character, too. This season, from the moment he was introduced, fans went, God damn it, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him because he was too likable, man. He was too fucking amazing. Eddie Munson, man. Spoiler alert. This whole episode spoils. When Everyone's already fucking watched it anyways. Oh, for sure. Way, for it, sure. I'll jump right in here. Um, this is one of my biggest problems with this season. I loved it. Don't, you know, get it twisted, motherfucker. But they didn't have the balls to kill off a legacy character. They, it seems like they were going to with Max, and then they got fucking cold feet. Like, it seems like they were in the writing room, and they were like, her arm snaps. And then it's like, are we about to kill her off? And then it was like, I don't think we should. They should have, dude. No. They they should have. But e- they should dude, have. even she is not one. I mean, she came in the second season. She's not part yep. of the main legacy cast. So, yeah, yep. they're only playing with the outskirts of these characters. Eddie, I guess, kind of makes sense because they were baiting that the whole entire time that he wasn't going to be a character throughout for a long period of time. But, dude, Joseph Quinn gave a brilliant performance. I mean, dude, he literally embodied, like, an 80s metalhead, like, to the fullest. Like you said earlier on in the episode, we all knew those guys. And you and I playing in metal bands growing up. And Derek, you said you played in some rock bands and shit. Um, it, no, I, I played rock band the video oh, game. Never mind. I, I, <laughs> no, I play guitar okay, too. I play so guitar. I totally I'm misheard that. Right, and yeah. I actually took it like literally. <laughs> Look at this motherfucker. First he said, "Hey, oh, Jesus, I got okay. you." No, hey, I play guitar. All right, I get, I get, I get it though. No. I had, I, I connected with Eddie Munson. All right, I got it. But it's 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 weird because like. So many of my guitar players were this guy, you know, on so many occasions. But it was a bummer that, like, they, they had to grab the metal dude and then give him a decent story arc, right, and give him a great actor to play him. And, like, we're going to kill him first. Not in- So can I, can, I, can I jump in? So our boy B-Ratty hit with a, a theory that's going on. So, you know, everything on Stranger Things has been related to Dungeons & Dragons, right? So, uh, B-Ratty found a, uh, a story arc from Dungeons & Dragons that would correlate perfectly with Eddie Munson, so I'm, I'm gonna read it real quick. So it says, So everyone knows the creatures in the Upside Down are portrayed as characters in Dungeons & Dragons, and the description of these creatures in the Upside Down are pretty accurate to the creatures in D&D. Eddie is not dead. The Duffer Brothers have said that you cannot die from the bite of a bat, Yes, you can eventually bleed out, but the bite alone will not kill you. I have this theory that Eddie will become Kaz, the vampire. He is another creature in D&D. Kaz is the right-hand man to Vecna. Kaz eventually turns on Vecna and defeats him. Kaz has a a significant weapon, his sword as well as his shield with spikes on it, just like Eddie's trash can shield with nails in it. He also had a long tree branch with a knife tied to it, in the end, I think Eddie may still be alive in the Upside Down, and he will come back as the vampire Kaz due to the due to the the bat bites. 
I've been in D&D &D Spiral for about two days now. So, that's what this theory says. And that sounds fucking... Holy. That sounds fucking epic. So, he's still alive in the Upside Down. He's gonna come back as this vampire creature that becomes Vec Vecna's right-hand man. But he's gonna have, a, like, that redeemable story aspect where... He turns on Vecna and helps our core characters defeat Vecna in the next season. Now, this is just a theory, but god damn, I hope it's fucking true. That would be so amazing, and that would be such a fuck you to everybody who worked on Morbius. They said, <laughs> yo, <laughs> I saw your movie, and I and I, I raised you the stakes of one Eddie becoming a vampire and... Uh, having the greatest story arc of that all time. That would be cool. I, I'm so pro pro that. I hope that happens. That I would be too, amazing. Man. I do too. So Eddie Munson, sorry I interrupted you, Justin. I was so excited about that prospect of that he may not actually be dead. I mean, all the way. that would be fantastic considering how, I mean, they're printing t-shirts right now and posters with this guy's face on them. Um, and I keep going back to the fact that this character is opening up the doors for so many young people and... As Derek said, old people to heavy metal music. <laughs> I mean, heavy metal music is not really a mainstream thing. Uh, it hasn't been for quite some time. There was a period, Jeremy, when you know your band, you, your bands, your most successful bands, and my most successful bands were doing great stuff um, and playing lots of great shows. But the majority of people, when they go out to watch these bands, they just want to hear old hits and stuff, and that's it. So. It's great that it's opening doors uh, for this character. And it just it just bummed me out, though. But I'm going to get to something positive here. I'm just going to say it as I always do. I don't give a fuck. Sadie Sink cast this girl and fucking everything and the masses will come. She is the standout of this season. She is absolutely brilliant. And her character arc is fantastic. We know what she went through in the previous season with her brother. Like, obviously, they were going to go there. But she is just, man, the depth that was put into this character, into this performance, I felt every single bit of it, um, even more so I connected with than any of the other characters. Now, obviously, we didn't even get to this in the beginning of this conversation, but you've all watched the, the season, so this isn't foreign to you. But they split up the characters for good reason, um, because there was no possible way to have all these characters on screen at the same time, so... We knew that Hopper wasn't fucking dead, let's face it. Even if you watched the last episode of the last season, you knew he wasn't dead. So he goes off on his own story. And then, of course, uh, Joyce heads out there and is trying to save him. And then at the end, everyone reconnects. But um, I feel like the strength here really is Max's character and the, the continuation of the story in Hawkins that's what really shines the most in in this season. Um, the stuff in California is 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 fine, like you know the FBI raiding the house and and so many different things that happen. But because they're trying to, what's up, my dudes? Dude, his hair's real. That's not a wig. That's his really. What's that's up, his, my that's dudes? Really his hair. Do not do not deny until you try. Now listen, <laughs> I ate the surfer board pizza because my I, I live in the boonies. And they had it at my Walmart. And I hate fucking Walmart. But I went there for the pizza. I ate the pizza. The pizza was good. It was good. But I couldn't believe. I was like, no, that, that's a fucking wig, dude. It's way too straight. He must straighten that shit. Yo, you were with me, Jeremy, during the emo phase. We, I'd straighten my fucking hair every day. My straightener's still upstairs. 
Nope. It's it's ready for you. Dude, that shit is real. It feels betrayed by I you. I was like, no, dude, how is that not a wig? How did he get his hair that yeah. fucking straight? It's crazy because I saw him doing uh like I saw videos of him like autographing for fans and stuff, and I'm like, unless he's wearing a wig every fucking day of his life, that's his real hair. Yeah, it's crazy. They put a a, a bona fide classic stoner in the storyline, and I love it, man. Because now it's even more acceptable than it was then. I mean, yeah, but great new characters interjected here. There are some things that I, I mean, listen, we all know Steve's the standout. Steve's like my heart and soul. I love the shit out of mm-hmm. Steve. But I really do wish, you know, in retrospect that maybe they went there. I think they were just too scared to do it. Like, unless they have, you know, like they always have bigger plans if they're going to end something with the last season. Like, maybe they're going to like kill off a few of them. Maybe they're going to kill off one of them. But the fact that they couldn't kill off one of the main legacy characters, to me at least, meant that they just didn't have the balls to do it. Or maybe they just didn't know how to approach it. I mean, Martin Brenner dies. Matthew Modine's character, Papa, he he gets he gets offed. Uh, Paul Reiser's character, he just gets handcuffed to a fucking table and then we don't see him again. But the main cast that we, like, learn to know and love they're pretty much intact you know which it's kind of like going back to that parallel you made earlier jeremy with glenn in the walking dead when that happened when glenn died that's when the audience knew like oh shit all bets are off man they're not fucking around anymore nobody's nobody's safe yeah do you, do you find it weird that the the character of jonathan it didn't really Seemed like he had a whole lot to do this season. Like, I don't know if... <laughs> he had nothing to do. He had absolutely dude, nothing to do. You know, he, I know he got into some some problems in real life with, with drugs, and he got arrested. I mean, he's like basically that. me. I mean, you're you're <laughs> looking at him when you look at me, right? So um, so I, I just wonder if maybe they reduced his role a little bit because he, he had, had these problems outside of the show, but... It just seemed like he didn't have anything to fucking do this I mean, season, except for drive around and like be still. Let's make no mistake. One of the most powerful scenes in the entire fucking movie is him talking to his brother. I agree. Uh, yeah. That was a great. What scene. is it in like a fucking in the back area of the the pizza parlor or oh, whatever the pizza place? Um, yeah. I I literally cr- like cried fucking bitch tears during that. I was like so emotional. It was a beautiful scene, but that's really all that he gets to do. And then, of course, the entire rest of the season, you're like, I want Nancy and Steve to get back together. <laughs> you know, this is like soap opera <laughs> shit. Yeah. You know, you're like sitting there going, oh, come on. You're right next to him. Just fucking kiss him. Just go grab his balls or do something. I, I'm getting I'm getting like halfway porno there with that. But <laughs> could you could you imagine them being like, let's fuck in the upside down? Dude, that would certainly they take went full horror. The they went full horror. Why wouldn't they go full horror? Yeah. I mean, for real. Just saying, they could. One of them in the real world, one of them in the upside down, meeting halfway at the uh, entrance of the portal. The portal. There yeah. it is. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, man. See? You know that we've talked about this on the show for a while, but like, you know, nudity. About fucking in the upside down? No, no. I'm just saying, nudity oh, okay. and sex is like desperately missing from modern horror. They went there hard with the fucking violence. I'm like, you showed how many fucking young children getting brutally slaughtered in this. I'm like. Just show me a pair of breasts. 
You know, you could do yeah. one pair of breasts and we'd be good. And even maybe a penis and some testicles, too. That'd be great as well. I'm down for both. Let me see them all. They're like, you know what? They're like, say no more, fam. We're going to show you Vecna's dick. <laughs> do you have any tweets? Derek, oh, do you see God, any tweets? Oh, my God, went full Watchmen. <laughs> I'm just seeing so many tweets like, yeah. where was Vecna's dick? This shit got burned off, dog. I'm like, dude, that's like one of the... It's soft tissue, dude. There ain't no bone or anything in there. It's gonna. <laughs> Yo, wait a minute. Hold on now. All of the fucking tentacles that were spread all over the upside down, <laughs> they couldn't step on it. It was too sensitive. Hive mind. Maybe that was just all Vecna's big old veiny dick. Dude, maybe it's so large <laughs> that it has that. to wrap around him that it spreads out in multiple parts. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, man, that's nasty. Uh, I want to go back quickly. Jeremy, I'm with you. That was my first thought about uh will's brother there was like his real life troubles and like making it hard to film scenes for him because like isn't he not allowed in the united states like isn't he oh shit uh i thought maybe i'd have to actually research it yeah i don't know i heard i just just know i just know he i think it was cocaine or some shit that he got busted Uh, for which hey man he was able to come back because he did shoot some he was able to come back he did shoot some of this in the u.s i think Okay, I just thought they they got like real restrictive on on his traveling. So that was my first thought too. I went there. I was like, oh, maybe he's in less of this because it's harder to get him over here yeah. now or something. I, I I made the Facebook post. I was like, yo, this actor is legitimately twenty twenty two version of Edward Furlong. <laughs> he is. He looks just like him, dude. Oh my god. Well, they're definitely he looks they, like they, him. they definitely give him the hairstyle and they're definitely dressing him like that and. He has those bags under his eyes, and I'm like, bro, you're way younger than me. You shouldn't look like that yet. <laughs> you you yeah, should, like, dude. He's you do. He's 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 living that furlong party life, bro. But again, you know, there's going to be give and take. There's going to be characters that are pushed to the forefront and and pushed to the back. But I, I feel like the strength of the series is sound. I mean, dude. Seriously, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. She is just, oh, dude, she's like one of the best things they've included in this entire series. She's so good. Uh, Maya Hawk as Robin, um, and she's the only openly at this point gay character in the show, which the series desperately needs some representation in that category because they're kind of like shying away from it a little bit. Um, but. I like that her character is like a female version of Quentin Tarantino. She's so high energy. She's so spastic, and she loves movies. Slightly obnoxious, slightly annoying, too, at the same time. But she literally, when she talks, dude, she brings that Tarantino energy to the highest degree. Like, when they come into the video store to try to, like, in the earlier in the season, to dig into the records, she's Tarantino. And they modeled it after him because he grew up and was at a, a video store clerk in the late 80s up until he wrote True Romance. He was still a fucking he was still like throwing fucking VHSs at, at people that were coming to rent them, you know. So it, it's so crazy to think that. But, you know, considering, you know, her mom's pedigree, her dad's pedigree, um, but particularly her mom's pedigree with with Quentin. But she's brilliant. Like, that's the one thing about this show. Like. There's not a single bad performance. There's not a single character, even if some of the characters are pushed into the background or whatever. Um, every character is given depth and written well. Johnny depth. <laughs> Next season. 
bring in Johnny. <laughs> he needs a career comeback at this point. Bring him on in, dude. He has a nostalgia. Dude, for the first time ever in the history since their relationship, why not a writer during the press tour for this actually talked about her relationship with Johnny Depp after they did Edward Scissorhands. So there's that. I mean, dude, imagine Johnny Depp as a main character in Stranger Things. That'd be that'd be incredible. Dude, speaking of Winona Ryder, she is in some horror movie that's coming out, and I, the title is escaping me right don't now. Don't tell me you're talking about the photos. I don't know, but the trailer fucking it's it's where like her and her husband like go to like this like vacation like rental house, and like there's another couple that are there by accident, and they're like, well, there's an, another room. You guys can just stay here. And they wake up the next morning, and her husband is gone. So now she's on a hunt. To find the people that were like staying in the other room to like try and find out what the fuck happened to her husband. It looks good, man. I'm talking about the. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Brady sent me, or no, it was Loisos that sent me some ad she did for some foreign country where she's pouring milk down her breasts. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I forgot the misremembered. It's new though. She's doing it for some other place but hey why not it's great man she's fantastic um she's not the block of wood that epic film guy nick said she was in every other season of this show nick you'll never listen but you're wrong she's great in this show i do feel like you know the splitting up of the storylines kind of made things jarring at times and it didn't all work but i feel like as a whole guys as we break down this season and we get to our final thoughts i i i feel like it's most definitely the most successful season they've had by far since the first one because we've already had the advantage of meeting these characters learning who they are and caring about them and the nightmare influences are so strong that it really does make this thing like a true 80s throwback and you know jeremy you and i had talked about this you know off the show a few times but the only other time that any other filmmaker since Wes craven himself has attempted to do like their version of freddy or nightmare was when andy muschietti did his it films and he yeah. did a, a a noble job there too he was heavily influenced by those you could you could tell for sure. Um, oh, that that wine and a writer movie that's coming out is called Gone into the Night or no? It's a uh, I'm sorry, it's Gone in the Night. Gone in the Night with milk. I I just pulled up the milk <laughs> thing right now, bro. Did you see? It's it? on TikTok. <laughs> I'm like I had to. I'm like all right. Let me see this. Got milk in the night? Is that? What We're still called? little boys, okay? Yeah. It's okay, right? Are you seeing <laughs> so it? Stupid. Yeah, hold on. I'm gonna show you. Hold on. There it is. You see it? Yep. There, there. See, see, see. Told. Wow, I didn't think that was something I was gonna see today, Told but uh, I'm seeing it. Incredible. Why not? Yeah, why not? Writer like pouring milk down her boobs. There it is. Okay, that's a real thing. Right. But how many people are gonna listen to this fucking podcast and be like, "Hold on, there's a thing with why not? Writer pouring milk on her boobs." Are you fucking kidding me? I just they're did. All, I just did. They're just... all gonna go look at that. Every every yeah. male, female, every non-binary, every single person that's listening to this is going to go look at that. Who wouldn't want to go look at that? I'm just saying. Yeah. Who wouldn't yeah. want to look at that? <sighs> well. <laughs> <laughs> dude, uh, all I know is, that, dude, this season had everything, man. We had a Freddy Krueger-level villain in Vecna. We had an awesome new character that we all collectively fell in love with and Eddie Munson 
We had Elle that lost her powers, just like when Superman lost his powers and got beat up in the bar. She was getting bullied and shit like that, and then it was her struggle to get her powers back. And you had, you know, some weird tension between... L and, and Mike because they were apart from each other and she was trying to act And they like also had some normal. weird tension between Will and Mike too, which Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And then like you had two of the I mean, one thing another Stephen King comparison is that Stephen King always did a really good job with his bullies and his villains in his stories. You know, like when you think of like Stand by Me you know, even, oh, even dude, the, the fucking dude, the, the roller rink scene. It's brutal. The roller rink scene. And then then the, the jock that played basketball with Lucas that was like after Eddie because he thought Eddie killed Chrissy um, or Christy, whatever the fuck her name was. So like you had two <laughs> Omega bullies that were just dickhead pieces of shit that you Big fucking bullies. You hated them. Dude, when L hit old girl in the face with the. Uh, fucking skate and it split her shit open and like blood just started pouring down her face. It was like, hell yeah, man. That's how we I was do like, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, hey, back, back in the day, we handled things with a fist. You know what I mean? If somebody stepped up, you had to crack them down and not let them know. I'm not the one you gonna and then fuck as soon as with. I hit him, she had to learn as soon the hard as I hit way him in the head, I'd be like, master, master, master. Always. So, yeah, I mean, that was going on. We had. You know, the upside down in a way that we had never seen it before with these fucking bat creatures swarming it. Um, I mean, dude, you had Hopper. You had Susie's house? Are you kidding me? Oh my God. How have we not talked about Susie's house? Susie's house was, that was like, I will say that that was annoying to me. Like oh. that was annoying. That, oh to my to God. me, I, like there was just so much like hyper energy comedic stuff going on which I get that like there's so much dark stuff going on in the series that you need some levity you need balance to... you have to balance yeah I get it but for me it was just like <laughs> dude her house was so chaotic that I found it was like giving me anxiety just watching it I'm like man these goddamn kids are gonna burn the house down <laughs> that's why I loved it I needed yeah. more I need to know why her house was like that her house was... like what is her dad doing that he has so many kids, and they're all fucking psychopaths, all, and he doesn't attend to a single one of them. All psychopaths, man. Every fucking last... If I was the dad, I'd be like, yo, you heard stories about the dad that just left in the middle of the night? I'm the dad. I'm, I'm, I'm the dad. <laughs> That's me. That is me. I am the one that disappears and doesn't come back. My kids are fucking psychos. <laughs> but, yeah, so we got, we got some Susie action. You know, we got Hopper uh, in another country uh, where... Essentially, him and other prison inmates are going to be pitted against a fucking Demogorgon, right? Um, you get some great moments of like, oh, cool, it's about to work out for him, only for him to be thrown back into the mix. Like, nope, it's not working out. You're still stuck here, motherfucker. Uh, Hopper literally has a sword in this season, which I it's just found out today. It's the actual sword from Conan the Barbarian. It's the actual sword. The actual Conan, sword. Yeah. Like... Like, dude, so, like, you got Hopper, who last season was, was called Fat Rambo. This season, he's, like, Conan. Well, dude, like, he fucking... lost, like, uh, I'm pretty sure, based on what I saw, what I read, he lost, like, 50 fucking pounds. Because he's, like, skin and bones. Like, that one scene where he takes his fucking shirt off, I mean, he's, like, legit, not just, like, lean, but he's, like, anorexic lean, where he looks like he hasn't yeah. eaten in months. And that kind of preparation for that role, for that one scene because I'm very well versed in this in terms of like 
the cutting or whatever you have to do for superheroes and all that, it takes months of suffering to get to that point. I've been there myself. Um, and he, dude, that's the thinnest he's ever been. His arms were like spaghetti strings. And I'm, <laughs> I'm serious, though. And he's a big guy, man. He's like a fucking, he's yeah. a mesomorph, which is like that body type of being like a thicker build and stuff. So it took so much effort to get him down that lean. There's no CG in that scene. It's just him like skin and bones. So he's talking about in press today um, not being a method actor, but in terms of his method to become the character in this season, he actually went there. He lost that fucking weight. He starved himself to do it. Mm. Um, man, I fucking love mozzarella sticks, and I love pizza <laughs> s- so much. That would be like the most, you know, I've I've got Hopper season three body going for me right now. I, Listen, I need to get I, Hopper. Season I can tell you, status. you can do both and still, but. This is this is not my fitness channel. This is a separate channel. So all right, all right, fair enough. Fair I enough. like about sticks too. You can do both. I'll teach dude, you how to do this... both tonight for nineteen ninety five. You got it. I'll PayPal you. Um. So, I mean, dude, you had these epic fucking kills. You know, man, this season it just it just checked all the boxes for me. I. I Fucking loved it, dude. I loved it. And uh, there's really not a whole lot I would change about it, like, at all. I, I just, I was engaged the whole time and on the edge of my seat so much. There were points, like, once once we got towards the end when the characters were in the Upside Down and Steve, Robin, and Nancy were stuck against the wall as Vecna's veiny tentacle penis held them against the walls and then while that was going on the shit with max was going on where she was like where you you thought like oh fuck she's about to get killed off and and they were smart because for the press rounds they were like the season finale is gonna end in a lot of deaths and i was like oh shit are they gonna kill a shit ton of the core cast i literally felt like they didn't they didn't but there was a moment where i was like dude because they had already put it out there, there was going to be deaths. I was like, yo, are they going to kill a shit ton of You didn't do it, ass? but you made me think you were going to do it. So I thought you were going to yeah, do it. They, 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 they psyched me out, man. Um, but even with that, they, they have to kill some core characters next season. Like, you have to. Like, they can't all make it out. Like, fucking, all right, well, we all made it out alive. Go us. Like, there's going to be Stranger be Things season six, episode one, and that's it. And it's just them with their kids in suburban homes living their lives. No. No one oh, wants dude, that. They, they they announced today that a they're spin-off. doing a yeah, spinoff. Yeah, I saw. But, Which I wonder what the fuck <sighs> that's going to be. Like, do we? I don't, I don't feel like I need that. I'm just saying. I'm throwing that out there. Why don't we need that, though? <sighs> just because you have something and it's a good thing doesn't always mean we need more of something, right? But we do, and you're going to watch it, though, aren't you? Aren't you? Aren't you? <laughs> I mean, dude, put it this way. When they when they came out with a new RoboCop movie, I didn't watch it because I was like, yo, I don't need that. He's got a black suit, and but it's cool. we already have RoboCop, and it's, it's cool, perfect. Though. And like, That was a remake, though. That was, okay, well, be, okay, better, better uh, analogy then. I... I love, I, I love Kevin Smith. We talked. Oh, I talked about this today on, on the page. Oh, I'm going there. I'm going there. Are you gonna say Clerks Three doesn't look good? 
Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't look good. It looks exactly as He's you would imagine it that, was going to look. Means, very, pre- though, very, very, yeah. very predictable. Fucking nostalgic. As I play with my Spider-Man three figure I got from whatever fast food restaurant. <laughs> we don't. We don't need a Clerks three just because Clerks was a success and we like those characters. Does it mean we need another one all these years later? Like, wasn't Clerks two kind of a good ending? For the Clerks saga, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like, okay, it's time to make some money again. Let's go ahead and make another one of these Clerks movies for the fan base that's going to watch it. As I look behind your head and see it, poster signed, that is Terminator Dark Fate. The same exact example. (laughs) And and, 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 and you're you're absolutely right. We did need Terminator Dark Fate. So. We did. We did. But it was unnecessary. And, like, I feel like I'm at the point in in my nerdism where just because it's something that is existing and I like the thing, sometimes it just gets to a point where it's like, I don't really need that. I, I'm not going to be first in line to watch this. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch this because I just feel like it's unnecessary. That's kind of how I feel about a Stranger Things But I think it's, off. it's like, you know, to, to gauge off that and, and to finish up here, I think that's personal preference because, for example, you're very excited for the new Predator movie Prey, which is going to be a straight-to-streaming thing, and they've already outdone yes. that entire series, like, five times over. And, but. and I'll tell you why I'm excited about now, that I know why you're excited. And why... I'm, yeah, so I'll tell you why I'm excited for that one, and why I didn't go to theaters to see... You should Predator. have. It was fun as fuck. Uh, it, it was a fun movie, Bro, but I I've waited. I've got a movie uh, from a movie theater. I've got the actual standee in my other room. Do, do, really? do, 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 do you have the actual awesome. full really Predator... Do thing that they did the full yeah. oh my god i i yes. I, I, dude, I'll show you after i, I have a picture I'll, of me I'll holding his, his his cod piece i've got the whole thing i was like can oh. i have that and they were like yes and it was fun and, and it was Fred set on Halloween, so it. it was a little uneven dude it was a good okay. time so, shane black so he, me? hear me out hear me out so with the predator it it didn't it didn't draw me in with the trailers and everything so i was like okay this this looks like a Clerks 3. It looks like exactly what you would imagine it's going to look like, right? Prey coming out is done in a completely different style and way than we've ever gotten with a Predator movie before. Uh, this is wildly different. This takes place in what, the fucking 1800s I wouldn't say, or I wouldn't some shit say like wildly, that? I would just say different in the sense that it's in a different time period. It's still going to be period, people fighting time period. Yeah, but I just... In a way that hasn't been done. Aesthetically, before. yes. I'm just trying to bust your yeah. balls the best of my ability. To I get you. I got you. it. No, that's cool. I'm I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm um, here for it. So but, but for real, like no. I said, I, I I stand by it. I stand by it. Sometimes just because something is great and the general population loves it doesn't always mean mine it until well, it's a, no longer and worth and anything. And it's not that you're wrong or anything. There's a difference between the two things because if you look at all of these things we're discussing, even as an example the Terminator franchise, the Predator franchise, any other franchise compared to Stranger Things, Stranger Things has never failed ever once. So they have no reason to believe that anything they put out with that branding on it is going to fail. Whereas the Predator franchise has failed on numerous occasions, the Terminator franchise has failed over and over again. Every time since Even though we both loved Dark Fate, you know? So, like, the Alien franchise is another one. Um, Stranger Things is a series that is based on all of those things that we love, and it's still not failed. It's never taken its, you know, 
it never transcended onto the big screen. You know how much I would love working at Alamo Drafthouse? Here it is, Jeremy. You're getting it. Hashtag Alamo Justin right now. <laughs> but I'd love to see these episodes like on the big screen, dude. And they've never done this. They're yeah. so cinematic, but we'll never get them. But it's 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 a matter of what is good and what is going to stand the test of time. And I feel like when we're in our... The testicles of time. In our, <laughs> in our 60s, you and me, Jeremy, were like, remember that Stranger Things show back in the day? And then, of course, your kids are going to be in their fucking 30s and shit. Um, it will... That Millie Michael Jackson Bobby <laughs> Brown girl really <laughs> was fantastic. Ow! It's going to stand the test of time, and it, but it will. It, it literally will, because it hasn't shit the bed yet, but they know they can mine that fucking gold forever. Yep. So. They will. They will until until, just like The Walking Dead. I can't. There's a parallel here. That uh, just we, keeps, we will keeps see The Walking Dead. This is a whole other conversation. I feel like we could do a whole episode on that. But ladies and gentlemen, we've blabbed enough. Look at our guest, Derek. Look at his face. Look at him. He didn't know what he was in for. He's like, look at these fucking hey, crazy bastards. He's got a beautiful fucking I want mustache. That mustache. Wow. Thank I want you. That mustache. Uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh. But, dude, for real, thanks again for coming on the show and talking Stranger Things Season 4. There was so much more we could have talked about, but honestly, a deep dive would have probably been like a four-hour episode. We're just not about to give that to you. Four-hour tour. Yeah, you guys don't have a $22 million budget. You can't be doing I could be. I'll just tell my wife, listen, you're editing this shit, and you don't have anything to say about it. I'll give you what you want, and uh, you'll give me what I want. But for our listeners, again... That sounded, that sounded very sexual. I'm going to go. Evil. Never mind. Well, your father-in-law is right upstairs. It's getting Dude, weird. It's a separate Podcast room. It's a separate weird. room. Like, how does he know? And I've heard him doing his thing, too, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, we're done here. We're done here. Oh, so, <laughs> again, our listeners that are uninitiated, please tell them again where they can find you on social media and all your channels and everything and what you are all about. What I am all about, I am all about nostalgia and 80s and 90s and 2000s and video games and horror and everything that's fun. You can listen to our show, Leftover Pizza Podcast, basically anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Leftover Pizza Podcast. And if you want to read articles, you can check out It's Dem Boys over on itsdemboys.com, Instagram at itsdemboys. Uh, we've got a lot of fun Halloween stuff planned. We just, a uh, little sneak peek, I, I we made up a pin the other day. So we've got some Halloween plans of some things that we're going to be doing. And uh, that's pretty much my plug. My name's Derek, and I love the show. Thank you for letting me on. It's really, really fun. Oh, I had dude, a great time. Dude, thanks, and, of man. course, next time been, we got to awesome. get Grimy, a.k.a. Dave, onto the show as well. I hope you enjoyed your... Your, your, your little boat excursion that you had there. Hopefully no Final Destination type shit happened where, like, a missile shot down from the sky and, and you flew out of the boat. I don't know. Like, that's my idea. That's my pitch for the next Final Destination movie since they're making another one. Um, oh, my God. I, thank God. I, seriously, hmm. thank, th- we need thank the Final movie gods. That's yeah. the, the original Final Destination is a movie we'll be talking about in a few months. Uh, I can guarantee you that. But thanks again so, so much for listening, and thank you to our guest, Derek from the Leftover Pizza Podcast, and it's Dem Boys, 
And I got to thank Jeremy, my, my co-host here, for being so rad and awesome. And uh, look at that flex there. Look at that. He, he's he's looking jacked there. Mo- mozzarella sticks jacked. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, if they're looking for us on social media and the nonsense that it is, tell them where they can find us. Oh, dude, I tried to fucking rip it. <laughs> I tried to rip a fart, man. God damn it. I was like, I was like, yeah, so here comes the moment where he's going to ask getting, me to plug so our old, shit. You can't even let out a good Can I fart ask anymore. you a question? It, it was it was almost a blood fart. What good are you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man, we're uh Obey your master! 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 We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That version of the song is the, uh, the all version that good of stuff. the song by the guy that's living next to my Target locally. He sits in his tent every night and just yells, Master! Master! I don't know if he means it or not, or if he just likes the album. I don't know. You know, God bless him, you know. He probably owns the vinyl in that fucking thing, and he's like just jamming it out. <laughs> but if you want to like, <laughs> if you want to follow the show, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're all over the place. At Epic Film, guys, remember the Brain Stew is part of the crew. We are part of the brand. We are doing our thing, and I gotta say, in a few weeks, do not forget, July sixteenth, we are sponsoring. Movie Dumpster's first ever live performance at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. A screening of 35mm Monster Mayhem of Ghoulies and The Gate. I will be there in person. There will be plenty of vendors. Awesome horror nonsense all over the place. Go represent. Go meet Joe and Sean from the Movie Dumpster. And just come out and have a blast, dude. It's going to be fantastic. So, again, Saturday, July 16th, come out for that shit. Epic Film Guys officially sponsoring that. Listen to this, then go to that. It's going to be fucking awesome. But until next time, I am Justin. I'm Jeremy. And we are joined by our friend from the left. There he is. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, guys. Should I say something? Should I, should I, I not say something? Should I jump in? Lift him up like this in the air, like an angel. Slap me in the face. Grab me by my mustache. Say, speak up, you son of a bitch. Until the next episode of. Brain! Yeah!